Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Of course, you know it as Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend a couple hours up right up till the fiver, five-ish o'clock this afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday chatting here on the Patrick Lally Show and engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local state and national news and politics. Uh, we'll talk music. We got some music coming up and uh, just you know, lots of really good stuff today. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today. Thanks for spending a little time with us through your radio on Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe you're out there cruising around, enjoying the day, getting some work done, what have you, lounging perhaps. Maybe you're streamed live at KSO.com from the office floor or on KSO mobile app, of course, the one-touch mobile app that you've got to have. Just go put KSO in your various platform app stores and uh, bam, pop right up there. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. And a special treat for you Facebook Live viewers out there today, new camera angle. Very impressive. Dan, you got, I you know if I had a little bit longer arm, I could just touch the little button thing, and you could see Dan Peters. But my my arm is not. I need like a. There needs to be some sort of remote. Con, I can't quite. No, I can't get there. You could find an extra long pencil, and maybe the end of it. If it's got the eraser, that would help. Although I th- I think it's at the wrong angle though, because I think well, if you did turn it around, it would actually shoot right to the wall or well, the corner okay. i could maybe corner of the glass I still i need a longer pencil i also don't want to push it off the edge that would be bad oh yes like <laughs> you don't want facebook live catastrophe come on bang punk punk and then they'd just be watching the ceiling for the rest of the night rest of the day um <laughs> hey uh you remember a few weeks ago probably a month ago now i had this fabulous plan dan do you remember my fabulous plan it was to Teach a nine-year-old how to mow the lawn. You remember that one? Mr. Fabulous. It was a fabulous plan where uh, what I did was sit in a chair with an adult beverage and sort of supervise, give instruction. I am recalling this plan. Yeah, and uh, I, I I sweetened the pot. It wasn't just like it was a, you know, for nothing. Mow the lawn for nothing just as a life lesson. I'm not going to do that. I mean, that's the way I came up and all that. But that's, you know. I, 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 five bucks for the front, five bucks for the back, 10 bucks for the front, 10 bucks for the back. If I don't have to help, you know what I mean? If I don't have to trim, if I don't have to, uh, you know, touch up, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and things seem to be going along. Okay. You know, we had gotten through a cycle, a front and the back. And then yesterday, uh, lawn needed some mowing and, uh, didn't go so well. When it just became, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm like, so I look at the nine-year-old. And she's like, I just, no. And it was, it was kind of a, basically doing one part of the lawn over and over again, rather than actually hitting any of the other parts. And, and I said, don't you want your $5? No. <laughs> So that plan fell. That that was the end of the. There uh, endeth the lesson. No the, no life lessons learned. Well, the nine year old did learn the lesson of what they believe five dollars is worth. Not mowing the lawn. I that may be an inflationary pressure there. You know what I mean? Wage growth. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Either just, that or that nine year old's been talking with some labor negotiators. That could be. And has has tried to to at least extract a little bit more from from the boss. Yeah, it could be. That so that's a nine year old boy, but I think that there's still an opportunity here. Uh because I think I've I've uh, garnered some interest from the seven year old girl. And if here's I, I think I can I can still play this, right? So uh if the seven year old girl who lives in my house is able to uh, productively mow the lawn, and she's taking coin out of the pocket, right? That's going to attract the attention again of the nine-year-old boy. And then I think we can develop a healthy healthy competition there. 
but we'll see. And drive wages down. Yeah. Over. Yes. Yeah. So we got we got it going. Uh, we got the I got the so I and I had to step in and do the front yard last night, which that was disappointing. And then, uh, but the backyard still remains. And so tonight is the great backyard experiment. We'll see how this goes. I, you know, a seven-year-old girl might be a little bit young to be uh, working the mower. You know what I mean? This, I, it's probably a stretch to think that a seven-year-old can mow the lawn. But if it works, that's huge. Yeah, the safety of the operations there. You must consider know. that factor. I know. We got to get some eye protection, some gloves. Uh, you know, mowers are a lot safer than they used to be. Of course, they can't run on their own. Like when I was, when I was a lad, uh, the mower, once it was on, it was on <laughs> until you turned it off. It didn't matter if it went rolling down the hill or not. You know, now it's got all the safety features. So it's tougher to roll over your own foot. Although I suppose it still does happen. I imagine it does, but I have not heard of things like that lately. Uh, in fact, when I was, when I was a lad, uh, we used to do some serious mowing up at, uh, it was, a, anyways, um, it was basically a, a five horsepower Briggs and Stratton engine on a very small platform with some wheels and no sides. And then those just big triangular, it was a vicious monster of a mower. I call those the toe getters. Yeah. Oh my God. That thing was vicious. It could take out a tree though, but no, no kids can't, kids can't do that. Come on now. Didn't they used to call those the the actual name for those was the Mosal? I think that could be. I think that is true. You I are used, correct. Dan. I used, yeah, I I used one of those before. Yeah, oh, man, and they shake like you're. It's like you got a jackhammer. Horrible experience. See, kids don't realize how good they got it today. It's like we got it self propelled. You know, you can put the mold through the bag. You just barely pull on the thing and it starts. I mean, come on, just soft. Kids are soft. That's right. And, of course, this this was my, of my own doing, but there was one time. I still have the scar of where I singed my arm on the exhaust <laughs> oh, yeah. of the rider. Big, oh, yeah, those things. Yeah. yeah, good times. Good times mowing the lawn. Life lessons, Dan. Life lessons. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey talks about it every day, practically, about how he started out mowing lawns as a kid. Had 27 clients. I had that experience. I did not have that many clients. I would, mine was not as profitable as that. Mine went, my money went straight into sunflower seeds and Mountain Dew. Never saw the light of day. And then the occasional asteroid game, I imagine. <laughs> no asteroids. That was later. We were still rolling the pinball. Pinball. Pinball wizard. Um, at any rate, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Rob Joyce of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society. He will preview this weekend's Jazz Fest at Yankton Trail Park. The tents are going up. Everybody's getting ready. Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog from up in Aberdeen. He's going to be talking politics, of course, from the left side of the aisle, including a lot of detail that Corey uncovered about the uh, South Dakota connection to the Russian operative who was arrested this week. The Boon Man is our weird friend of the day, and I will have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic Sifting through the Helsinki fallout, the ever-changing story of Helsinki. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, yeah, getting a little closer to free as we try to do each and every day here on the Patrick Lally Show in one form or another, to one degree or another. And, uh, of course, there's lots going on to look at in the news and read and uh, take in with the president and his comments in Helsinki. Uh, Let's get right to it, shall we? Um, Yeah, I couldn't. I so yesterday I talked a little bit about it, and uh, it was rather stunning. And then today, as you heard, the news just uh, within the last oh, hour or so, maybe hour and a half, uh, the president uh, coming out and uh, in a very controlled atmosphere today, reading a prepared statement, saying he didn't uh, he didn't mean he he didn't mean when he said he actually he actually meant the exact opposite. 
He has full faith in the intelligence community, and it's it, it does, he didn't mean to say, I don't know why it would be Russia, when he meant, I don't know why it wouldn't be Russia. And as he says in the, in the clips, kind of a double negative thing there. Yeah, kind of a double negative. So I guess we won't be uh, having any big off-script uh, appearances by the president anytime soon as his advisors and uh, uh, confidants have maybe put the uh, clamps on any sort of extemporaneous speech for the near future. But let's, let's not kid ourselves. The damage is done. Uh, the, the notion that um, Russia somehow can be buddies with the United States, it's just, it's fundamentally not possible, okay? You can improve relations. There's no point in us pointing missiles at each other and threatening to blow each other up. That's fine. You don't have to have proxy wars and cold wars and all the other wars going on. But the idea that we're going to be buddies, it just it doesn't have historical resonance, as we like to say. Um, and as I was watching all the uh, reaction to the president's remarks, some of which was, oh, I don't know, hyperbolic, <laughs> breathless, but, you know, pretty unified in the shock that happened and the reaction from Congress, which was uh, more measured uh, and if you're from South Dakota, it was even more measured. Yeah, and I talked about that yesterday. But one of the things that I saw, one of the things I look for when I'm um, reading, because I don't watch TV much, uh, is perspective, right? I want to know what it means in the historical context, what it means for our policy positions, what it means for our standing in the world, if it's international. Um, and I often get that from David Brooks of the New York Times. And I've, I, I talk about David Brooks probably too much, but I really do like him just for those reasons. And his column today, it actually came out yesterday after the comments, and it was the murder-suicide of the West. Trump forcefully caps off years of deterioration in European-American ties. And uh, he opens with a C.S. Lewis quote, um, about uh, his, his remembrance on his mother dying. Uh, and it's, it says, it may seem melodramatic, but the passage comes to mind when I think of the death of Americans' relationship with Europe and Donald Trump's betrayal Monday of the democratic values that were the basis for that relationship. Now remember, David Brooks is not some fire-from-the-hip liberal here, okay? And uh, while there, a lot of liberals don't like him, and that's fine, um, he is very much a, a conservative of the old school, but more than that, he, you know, he's probably more moderate than a lot of the conservatives today, but more than that, he has a deep understanding of the cultural roots of this country and where conservatism, conservatism comes from and, and where liberalism comes from and the philosophical underpinnings and where things go wrong. And he just has some great lines in here that are amazing. And he's talking about the relationship between United States and Europe and all the things that we took from Europe. Okay. Uh, our fundamental institutions were inherited from Europe. Our democracy is Greek and British. Our, our British, our universities are German. The etiquette book George Washington read to improve himself was translated for front from French. And so were Thomas Jefferson's ideals. Um, there's just a lot of really uh, great stuff. And I posted the column on Twitter at P. Lally Show if you want to see it. But there's a couple other quotes in here that I just think are um, awesome. And he says, uh, over the weekend, Trump ripped the partnership to threads. He said European Union is our foe. On Monday, Trump essentially sided with Vladimir Putin, who has become the biggest moral and political enemy of the Euro-American relationship. Trump essentially dropped a project that has oriented American culture and policy for centuries. He pointed us to a world in which the central ethos is that might makes right. But remember, Donald Trump exists only to put a capstone on every poisonous trend that preceded him. It took many hands to kill the Euro-American bond. Right-wing politicians and commentators began to use Europe as a stand-in for American liberals. It's a bunch of godless socialists, just like the heretics in Berkeley and Cambridge. 
Euro bashing became a unifying conservative trope. Progressives fell into the poisonous trap of racialism. They looked at the glories of Aristotle, Shakespeare, and Mozart, and the most interesting thing they have to say about them was that they were dead white males. Future historians will marvel at how sophisticated people willfully made themselves so simple-minded. Eurocentrism became a code for colonialism, oppression, and privilege, taking a piece of European history for the whole of it. And there's chatter in there about the things the Europeans have done wrong, which are true. Um, And I just go to the end of it. Today, Europe and America face common perils and common problems, including the rise of ravenous strongmen who want to remake the world order. We've lost the bonds that might enable us to fight them together. Worse, the wolves are not only in the hen house. They are in the executive mansion. Beware what happens when you walk away from your lineage. Just an awesome column by David Brooks, and I think puts in perspective a lot of what's going on. You can get caught up in the, uh, you know, heaving and sighing and uh, exasperation of the daily commentary, and that's fine. And uh, you'll hear a lot of uh, discussion today about what Donald Trump did or didn't mean. But when you put it into the broader perspective, it does give you a sense of pause. So thank you, David Brooks, for that fine, fine column. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. You can get us on Twitter, of course, at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with the Boon Man on Weird Friends. It's going to be awesome. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Up north, the ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45 right by my side. And we bring in the Boon Man for Weird Friends and Boon Man for some reason. California Kid by uh, the Beat Farmers has become kind of the new theme song for Weird Friends. You okay with that? I dig it. I like it. It reminds me a lot of um, Red Right Hand. Oh, yeah. You know, we haven't talked about TV for a while. When is Peaky Blinders coming back? That's uh, No, no it's, it won't be this year. It will be 19. If I was just making a note of that. That is something that we do need to revisit because, in fact, we're just going to do it right now. Okay, there you go. Because the big thing, that's the next big thing that's coming up, Yeah. better call Saul. Oh, well, this is three or four. Four, yeah, yeah. I think it's four because I think I've seen two full seasons, and I need to get number three under my belt. Yeah, it's uh, that's coming up here the first week of August. Really, that's soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome! Yes, I'm excited about that because I mean, there's a long waiting list of stuff. Although one thing I still got in the uh, in the old uh, pouch here to watch is Westworld. Oh, that's right. See, I don't have HBO. Yeah, I've not watched this particular season of Westworld and I think the whole the whole thing's out there. It is. The whole season's out there. Really? So I've got that in my pocket and uh, I can watch that. What have you heard but, about the second season of Westworld? Uh, nothing. Because, okay. Not one thing. But you know it's summertime so my usual uh you know my my club that uh, meets and talks about TV stuff. Yeah. I don't really have one but in the, the fall the, the people that watch that stuff. I guess I do have kind of a club that does that. But no, uh I, I we've not really talked about it. So um, I've not really had any conversations with anyone. What I actually started doing was watching the first season uh, of Westworld again, just to catch up. Because I, I think what I what happened was I started watching the first episode of the new season. Yeah. And thought, man, I'm just going to back the truck up here because it's been too long. Yeah. I got to go and rewatch um, the the first season. I've aged. Since the last season of Westworld. And all of this TV binging has had a negative effect, I'm sure, on my brain. Oh, you think? Oh, it (laughs) definitely does. Don't you? you, Yeah. See, I haven't... It's summer, and I don't have cable. So uh, I I can roll the Netflix and and all the streaming stuff. But I, I just don't end up doing it because I got other stuff going on. And 
Uh, if there's bad weather or something, like, you know, rain, then I'll watch a little bit, catch some baseball or whatever. But it has to be like winter for, you know, just like episode upon episode upon episode of, you know, whatever it is. Well, I have the nasty habit of just watching one episode, like when I go to bed and I watch it on my on my smartphone with headphones. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's Then you fall asleep. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't fall asleep. That's the problem. Oh, I see. Watch an episode of like, ah, I got to watch another one. Yeah. Okay, just one more. <laughs> Oh, then it's three o'clock. Particularly when they're the um, old half-hour comedies or something, where they're you know they're twenty minutes long, and you you end up oh I just watched eight episodes. I am currently on a Parks and Rec kick. I never watched that show on television when it was on. Yeah, whenever it was on, I don't know if it was network show or if it was a cable show or what. It was network. Yeah, uh, that, I'm telling you that Chris Pratt kills me. Yeah. That's a good show, and I watched it a little bit, but not not enough to be, because people out there are Parks and Rec aficionados. I have a hard time with uh, that girl that's on it, the blonde-haired girl that was on Saturday Night Live. Is that what she Yeah, was? Amy Poehler. I don't, uh, no, she's not doing it for me. Not like uh, 30 Rock. See, I went back and did the, I had not watched any 30 Rock, really. I have not either. I've never seen an episode. Uh, that's worth going back and watching the whole thing. Because that's Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. You gotta you gotta see some of those. But I am fired up for Better Call Saul, so you should yep. get out and get caught up on the season you missed. I need to do that. That's right. And, um, but you know, you have time because what I like to do is I don't like watching it when it's on because I'm. It's hard for me to find time to sit down and watch a show when it's on. Mm-hmm. But I can always stream it. But I don't want to ever be in a position where I watch an episode mm-hmm. and then I want to see the next one and there's not a next one. So right. I need to get a few in the can first. Yep. I have that cushion of always having another one, you know, a, a go-to on that. It's like, it's like watching a football game where you just, when you get a chance, you just pause it on the DVR. You walk around, you know, you uh, ah. clean a bathroom, what have you, make a little dinner. You come back, he goes right through the commercials. That's the best thing ever. Speaking of football, it's not. That's when it, that's when the TV talk gets really deep again. Yes, and it does. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's great filler uh, during football of you know, conversations on that. Now there is speaking of that. That's another one from the group. There, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. one of the defenders, oh, uh, of part of the Marvel universe. New ep, new season of Luke Cage out, and so there should be probably not too not too distant in the future here another. A series of um, you know maybe Daredevil or uh, possibly the Punisher um, and uh, Iron Fist. Jeez, uh, Jessica Jones. Do you like speaking of the TV series? And I haven't seen. Do you like actually the the new TV series of Marvel rather than the movies at this point? Um, no, I, they, I think they're very complementary, and they do refer to each other. A little bit, because isn't there like a, a, a ant eater and the mole movie out or something like that right now? Uh, ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay, got it. Is that a thing? Have you seen that one? I have not yet, but I have not. I've not. I, I also have not seen Deadpool too. Oh, okay. I will watch Deadpool too. <laughs> I, but that's that's another one that's best enjoyed in a group of like-minded people uh, with. You know, perhaps an adult beverage. Yeah, Deadpool. I really like Deadpool. I, I will watch that anytime it's on. It's it, it's it's. Uh, and here's my here's my yardstick. It's Jaws good. Oh, Jaws good. Meaning, I will I will and do and have anytime Jaws is on, whether it's on cable TV with commercials or on a premium channel without. I will watch it. Yes. Kelly's Heroes, good. Oh, if God. Kelly's Heroes is on, Can't stop. I flip around the dial, and Kelly's Heroes is on, I am watching it. Yeah, you got to do it. watching it. Such Last a... night, another one that was Jaws good, Enemy of the State. I have not seen that. Enemy of the State's a great movie. has Will Smith, um, Gene Hackman, who has never been in a bad movie. That's true. Uh, John Voight. Really? Um, 
the wife, and John Voight's wife in the movie is uh, the wife from Breaking Bad. Oh, got it. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. I got to watch that one. Then. Scott Kahn is in it. James Kahn's son from Hawaii Five O. He is in it. Holy cow! Uh, and uh, that is a star-studded cast. Boom. It is. And there's other people in it too. There's other actors in it, and uh, it's very good. It's a very good movie, and it's set. It's it's from 1989, I believe, is when it came out. You're kidding! And it talks about you know the NSA and electronic surveillance and what they can. And <laughs> that's what I said to my son last night when we were watching. It. I said, "Look, this movie is." Uh, tw- uh, what year is this? 11, 29 years, 89? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 20 years old. And, you know, look what they're doing now. That, you know, art predicts life. Uh, hey, Boone Man, this was not what we were going to talk about. No. We got something else. So I'm going to hold you over. Okay. okay. Is that all right? Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, chat I, more I, here. and got a serious beef to talk about. I understand. I think you're also going to need a bigger boat. Uh, we'll be right back with <laughs> the Boone Man on Weird friends, this is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we've got the boom man on the line for Weird Friends. And we... uh, we had intended to talk about something, but we got sidetracked by the great world of television and movies and, uh, you know, the wonderful stories that are out there for you all to watch. And uh, Boon Man is our resident TV expert, so that that's good. But Boon Man, you, uh, you said you had a beef. What's your beef, man? I do have a beef. You know, as you know, as we talked about last week, I do spend a lot of time on the, on the uh, gritty streets of Sioux Falls and uh, fighting crime. Yep. Uh, shopping, whatnot, yep. and um, uh, one thing that has really gotten me is, you know, we have at at many corners in Sioux Falls, in the, in the urban area, the, the dense part, of the, we have the walk, don't walk sign. They don't say walk and don't walk anymore like they used to, but they have the little hand, mm-hmm. the red hand, or the little white stick man mm-hmm. walking, and... Uh, you know, for the most part, those are obeyed, and if you don't have those, you have the red light and green light. You go to the old standby, and you go red light, green light, and uh, you cross on the green and stop on the red. But there, there's a certain section of town here um, uh, on 18th Street between Minnesota and Grange, actually between, really between probably Grange and uh, Elmwood, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um uh, you don't want to mention any names of any institutions. But <laughs> it rhymes with Schmanford. And uh, uh, now on 18th Street, they did put in the blinking yellow light that yep. flashes when people are crossing. Mm-hmm. So you have an area there where traffic rightfully stops and allows the pedestrian the right of way to walk through there, even though there's not a light. There's a pedestrian. People generally will stop and let those people cross. Mm-hmm. Um, now the problem with that is it has it's leaked onto 18th and 22nd mm-hmm. and uh, you know whatever it is the other, uh, probably mostly 18th, 22nd, and Grange. Mm-hmm. In that people just don't they don't even they don't even look. No, they're just I'm I'm crossing. I'm the pedestrian. I've got the right of way. <laughs> They'll just go. And now I have no problem crossing against the light. You know if I I don't I have no problem walking on a don't walk sign. What? If there's no if there's no traffic, okay. no, if I'm fair. downtown and I'm walking from the uh, from 14 or from 13th down to 10th mm-hmm. on Phillips, and I'm crossing 10th or 11th or 9th or 8th or any of those streets, if it's a don't walk sign and there's nobody coming, I'll go. <laughs> I have no problem with that. You feel confident in your ability to read traffic patterns. My ability to walk across. Yep, that you can cross without fear. Timely fashion. <laughs> you would not suggest anybody cross with you. No, don't don't no, no, follow. No. I would have people. I have no problem uh, being a lawbreaker like that. Okay. As long as I'm not impeding traffic or being in danger, being in danger of myself or others. Mm-hmm. But if nobody's coming, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna wait for the. I'm not gonna wait for the light to change. Fair enough. I'm going to walk. But if there's traffic, I'm going to wait. But, you know, the same holds true. I expect that when I'm going to cross a street, 
that I'm going to wait for traffic to be gone. I'm not, I, you know, I don't like the thing on uh, 18th and, and uh, Grangeter by Schmanford. Uh, one, they have an underground pass from the one side to the other. You can just go down some steps. I know, there is a tunnel. And then there, go up some steps. Yes, but there is then, a tunnel. you know, what did I sign up for a, a aerobics class? <laughs> no, I'm going to go up. You know, I, I don't mind the down steps because gravity is helping me there, but... You know, but I'll yeah. take that. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to get in people's way. I, I try to be courteous of my fellow uh, pedestrians and such. And mm-hmm. and you know, I do bicycle a little bit, mm-hmm. not so much as you do, but I do have a bike here at the office. And I, I'll go. You know, I'll ride down to. Yeah, you know, I'll ride to go eat something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride down to Subway or I'll ride over to here. You know, six, eight, ten, mm-hmm. twelve, twenty blocks away. That's good. But on town, I'll ride my bike. Very um, smart. You know, because it's. But you know what I do? Hmm. I ride my bicycle on the street just as any other vehicle. In there you go. Laws. Now, I saw two people who looked to be, it was kind of a distance. This is kind of a sub-rant to mm-hmm. the crossing deal. Mm-hmm. But there were two people looked to be of nominal intelligence. They were both wearing helmets, yeah, both yeah. riding bicycles. Yeah, yeah. On the sidewalk on 41st Street going east, on the north side, so they were going against traffic you on the do that. sidewalk. That is that is the single most dangerous thing could that not you can do. Be more da- they could not have been doing something more dangerous. It would have been less dangerous for them to ride on Forty First Street. Oh yeah, absolutely. Seven lanes of traffic would have been would have been better for them to be riding the correct way in a in a correct lane. And I don't when I ride my bicycle on the streets, I'll. You know, when you get to stop signs and stoplights, I'll share lanes. You know, I'll get over to the side so a car can be next to me. I don't have any problem with that. You've got to watch out for the right hook there, though. You do have to. I've, I've been victim of that, but mm-hmm. I, I do like to when I'm there with that person at the front of the line mm-hmm. because I've skipped, you know, six or eight cars that are stopped behind it. Uh, I'll go, <laughs> and I will make sure that that person knows I'm there and then they're not turning right. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. You've got to be careful, but that's yeah, good. So, but these these pedestrians over by the institution, Schmanford, Schmanford, uh, it is kind of a free for all over there, is it not? They just they don't, they don't, it's getting to the point where they don't even look. They just I I'm the pedestrian. I'm just going to go. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to. Nope. Yep. I don't know what you can do. I mean, it, maybe eventually they'll probably shut down that street, but then eesh, people will be upset about that too. Oh, 18th. No, they won't shut down 18th. Yeah, uh, they. You never know. It's so slow. I don't go that way anyway because there's so many people walking around yeah, that it's you slow down. So you got to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's. Uh, did you bring a punchline for me today? You know, I've gone through the list and I am, nothing. Nothing I'm that will work, huh? One that I can actually say on the radio. All right. Well, we'll work on that for I had next. I to clean week. up a few to get them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I just read seven of them that I just couldn't say. <laughs> I mean, there's like in this, but there's four words that I can't say. <laughs> Well, that's good. Hey, thank you for that. Uh, that's probably better. Uh, the Boon Man, uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll, you know, talk to you next week, probably, eh? Yeah, sounds good. All right, see you. All right. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, it's Corey Heidelberger with DakotaFreePress.com. We're going to talk politics. Left side of the aisle has got some good stuff. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Don't forget this weekend is Jazz Fest. We'll be talking about it later in the show with Rob Joyce. Friday and Saturday, big two-day outdoor music festival, food vendors, wine, beer garden, arts and crafts, fireworks, and more. Jimmy Vaughn on Friday and uh, Taj Mahal on Saturday. I'll be out there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's uh, Tuesday at 4 o'clock, which must mean it's time for Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com, a blog based out of Aberdeen, South Dakota. And uh, we have Corey on the line to talk about 
oh, politics, mostly from the left side of the aisle, if there is an aisle anymore. Corey, how are you today, man? Oh, Patrick, I'm so excited I got to sit down to try to keep myself calm today. Uh, well, uh, there's, um, how do we say this? There's a fair amount of news going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> so the let's get right to it. The thing I saw on your blog, and I have, uh, I think you've been fairly vigilant about covering this. There is a report uh, currently posted on your blog, DakotaFreePress.com, South Dakota's true liberal media, that says uh, DOJ charges Dusty's tar, which is T A R, camp camp speaker Maria Butina with conspiracy to act as Russian agent. So. The the big news, one of the big pieces of news this week in terms of uh, uh, Russia, in, in addition to the president and uh, Vlad the Impaler uh, chatting in Helsinki, was the fact that uh, the federal government basically charged this woman, Maria Butina, Butina, with being a spy. Isn't that, that's basically the deal, right? The, the term spy does not appear in the complaint or the affidavit. What it charges her with is being an agent, that's the key word, an agent for the Russian government, but not registering as one in the United States, not stating to us that she was acting in the interest of the Russian government. She came here on a student visa and other you know, travel papers, but never said she was working for the Russian government. And it turns so out... Spy she... isn't quite written down yet. Right, right. So uh, the word spy gets thrown around a lot, uh, including by me. Um, but uh, you, the interesting part, that's interesting in and of itself because it's an interesting story because she allegedly infiltrated the NRA and some uh, other groups. But from our perspective, um, this woman, Maria Butina, has a lot of South Dakota connections. And you have detailed this uh, with uh, some thoroughness here, my friend. Yes. And this, this is something that I noticed in March 2017. There were, some, there were a number of national stories talking about this woman, this Maria Butina, 20-something, she's 29 now, but over the last few years, she's been seen at, like, NRA gatherings, and she's been seen with NRA leaders and at Republican events. Uh, there, there are pictures of her with, you know, Scott Walker while he was kind of work thinking about running for president um, and other prominent folks. There's even a video from 2015 in July, right after Donald Trump announced his candidacy. He's at a forum. It's, I think it's called Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, and he's taking questions, and a woman raises her hand and says she's a journalist from Russia, and she asks about Trump's position on Russia. It was Maria Butina hmm. asking Donald Trump a question about relations with Russia back in 2015. She's been all over the place. And so I was looking, oh, that's kind of interesting, and I looked, happened to look at her Facebook page, and she had a blog, and it was in Russian, and as we talked about last week, I speak Russian, so I'm like, oh, let's look through this. And as I'm scrolling through the South Dakota, or through her, Maria Butina's online stuff, I see her connection with a guy named Paul Erickson. Mm, Paul Erickson, our old friend Paul. See, now, to me, I, I didn't know Paul Erickson originally, and of course I'm thinking, oh, geez, Paul Erickson, here's another one of those ungoogleable names, Paul Erickson, there's a right. thousand of them. But turns out Paul Erickson is a very well-known South Dakota po Republican political operative. Yes. He's helped John Thune with his campaigns. He was involved in the blog storm that helped uh, punish the Argus and Dave Kranz and Tom Daschle back in 2004. He's got all sorts of connections. And then there on her social media is a picture of her with Paul Erickson in Moscow in 2013. And I keep reading. I'm like, well, this is interesting. Maria Butina, she knows someone from South Dakota. Not only that, but she came to South Dakota. When I looked at her posts, I found she made speeches at, in like the Sioux Falls School District, I think at the Tech High School. Mm -hmm. She made a speech at University of South Dakota talking about gun rights in Russia in April of 2015. And I keep scrolling, and then it's like blog gold. <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture of her at a camp. Yes. Talking to some teenagers. And, I, and it, you know, it was one of those moments where I thought, that looks kind of like the Black Hills. Right. You know, because there's that certain look of the pine and the granite and all that. And I thought, that looks like the Black Hills. And I scroll down, and I look, and there's a picture of her with Paul Erickson. Paul Erickson's holding up ma a map for her during the thing. So I'm like, Paul Erickson's there. She's there. Did they go to the Black Hills together? And where is this camp? 
And then I look at another picture, and it's a picture of all the campers, all the kids in their T-shirts and that. And in the back, there's this dude in pink shorts. Yes. And I'm like, I know that guy. That's Matt Woolman, state legislator from Madison. Signature pink, pink shorts. Oh, Sudley <laughs> pink shorts. I love them. But then this is the same Matt Woolman who got kicked out of the legislature for, for uh, well, flirting with yeah. all the interns. Yeah. And then I look at one more picture, and it's a tiny picture, but it's a picture. You see Maria Boutina talking. You see all the teenagers, well, kind of interested. And in the back row of the kids, there's this dude with glasses. And I zoom in, and I'm like, of course. That's Dusty Johnson. That's the teenage Republican camp that Dusty Johnson runs. And sure enough, you go to the social media, there's tweets from Dusty, tweets from the teenage Republicans thanking Maria Boutina for, quote, an incredible speech to their group in 2015. So her job was to infiltrate uh, political organizations, (laughs) which she clearly did in South Dakota. That's what the complaint says. It says her job on behalf of the Russian government, and it ties her to a high government Russian government official who ran like their central bank, who was her boss directly, was to gain influence with American po- uh, political, influential American politicians and to get access to the Democratic, small Democratic, D, the Democratic decision-making apparatus of the United States to influence us to favor Russia in our policies. And, uh, Corey, has, uh, you've read the entire indictment and uh, have a lot of background on this. So we're going to go into more detail on the connections and what they might mean right after this break. We'll be right back with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog at dakotafreepress.com. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Well, I ain't your baby. I ain't your baby now. And we return to our conversation with Corey Heidelberger, he of DakotaFreePress.com, a blog based out of Aberdeen, South Dakota, that covers politics from the left side of the aisle. Uh, and we've been talking about the news of uh, Maria Butina, her uh, being charged uh, with a series of uh, uh, infractions, not spying yet, but she is a Russian national and her connections to South Dakota. And, uh, Corey, I, I said earlier that you have uh, posted a lot of stuff on this in detail. One of the things that you have are all these photos that you referenced earlier with Paul Erickson of South Dakota and uh and uh, uh, Dusty Johnson and uh, some of the other folks from from the camp, from social media. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it really is uh, the connections really are fascinating. So yeah, this the, and the Paul Erickson part of that. So Paul Erickson has been in South Dakota politics as a Republican, sort of behind the scenes guy for a long time. And I my understanding is that I mean, he's been he's not named in the indictment, but. Uh, news outlets, including New York Times, have connected him as the person called like person number one. So there's this person who's in the indictment called person number one. And what did person number one do? Person number one, according to the, the complaint and the affidavit filed by a special agent Helson of the FBI, uh, met Maria Boutina in 2013. And that's when the social media pictures line up. That was the first one I found of Paul Erickson Maria Butina in Moscow on November 1st, 2013, at like a gun rights convention. Um, This person, number one, according to the FBI affidavit, worked with Butina to help introduce her to influential American politicians and arrange for her meetings, basically facilitated her work here in America. And he's called a Sioux Falls businessman. That's, I mean, he's got a company based here. He also set up, they both set up a separate LLC to pay for her uh, uh, graduate school or something. Seems very yeah, odd. Yeah, well, in, incredibly. This, when I went looking around last year, and some, some other journalists found this too, but I went and verified, in our Secretary of State's files, there is a business. You know, they do all the corporate filings. You start a business, you got to say, hey, Secretary of State, I'm a business. There's a corporate filing there signed by 
Maria Butina. You can, it's her Russian penmanship and everything. And I believe it's filed from the same address that Paul Erickson's business is at in Sioux Falls. Hmm, that's interesting. It's called Bridges LLC. And every reporter who's mentioned this business, this Bridges LLC, has said there's no indication at all of what this business does. This business exists nowhere else except in our Secretary of State's corporate filings. Um, now, what's coming out in the news is, you know, I think Erickson himself is saying, well, it was to help her pay for her funds while she was at graduate school. But the indictment, the uh, complaint and the affidavit are saying she was here on a student visa, but she was really doing all this other work to go to these Republican events, these conservative events, to, you know, the NRA events and all that, and to make these connections to forward what's going on. And this is all coming. The information in the FBI affidavit mm-hmm. is coming from Maria Butina herself, because the FBI says they executed a search warrant this spring. They got her computer. They're reading her emails. They're reading her documents, and they're reading the documents that she got in response from person number one. Yes. Timeline-wise, and like you're saying, other press, they were yesterday already saying, looking at the timeline, it sounds like Paul Erickson's the guy, saying these are the things he was telling her to help her make these connections, to help her keep her connection to the Russian government on the quiet, quiet, and to make her connections without getting into any sticky situations. And what's interesting about that is he's not named in the indictment. Why? Uh, I mean, without, we don't know. We, why would somebody uh, in charges against a Russian national be named, not named in the indictment, but have this pseudonym? Why do they do that? Actually, that's a really good question. And this came up, I believe it, what was it, last week with just the Mueller indictments that came out Friday mm-hmm. um, and some other of these federal documents. It's, it's standard practice, apparently, for the feds when they indict somebody just to name the person they're indicting. They don't use their indictments or their complaints and affidavits to get anybody else in Dutch yet. They just they focus the naming on the person they're bringing to court right now. So this is apparently a standard practice for prosecutors. I didn't know that. But it doesn't mean they don't, you know, it's not a John Doe. It's not that they don't know who it is. They know full well who these, these parties are. They're just waiting to focus on those parties, maybe in other indictments or other, other documents, stuff like that. Or it could also be that the feds, you know, recognizing these kind of documents are pretty explosive anyway, they don't want to be accused of trying to convict anybody in the press before they go to court. So, you know, the whole innocent until proven guilty thing, they just want to keep their documents focused. So that's why they, and it's not just, you know, person number one and person number two, they refer to Boutina's work with a mm-hmm. gun rights organization. They don't name the organization, although we're all pretty sure it's the National Rifle Association, because those are the guys she was buddying up with. And the affidavit names a political party. It doesn't say which political party, right. it just says a political party was involved in this. That's but you look at that picture, you have a Russian agent working for Putin's government trying to influence America by making connections through two U.S. persons, through a U.S. political party and a U.S. gun rights organization, and doing things that even though they aren't, the, the South Dakota events aren't mentioned in the, in the affidavit, right. at least not explicitly, but she's doing this stuff even all the way back out here in South Dakota, which kind of makes me think, and my apologies to everybody, I'm going to sound like good old Red, you know, red Scare Hunter Carl Munt here, <laughs> a fellow Madisonite, but Carl Munt would have said, my goodness, if the Russians are digging around here in South Dakota, who knows what they're doing in the rest of the country? Mm-hmm. This could be, Maria Butina could be a signal of how, not just how real, but how deep and how extensive this Russian effort is to propagandize us and prop up Putin and weaken the American position in the world. And obviously, Dusty Johnson is drugging this, and he's quoted in an Argus Leader story uh, just that broke today. Uh, He said, I'm angry that instead of uh, being a freedom fighter that she promised she was, it seems as though instead she's a scam artist and a liar. And, you know, he said he searched for her online and didn't find anything, which is potentially true i mean oh uh, sure and i you know what i i tell you what i totally believe dusty if i met some beautiful 20 something red-haired russian woman who liked guns and she said i would like to speak at your camp may i speak with you please 
I wouldn't know she's a spy. I'd never suspect anything. Um, um, <laughs> well, I will, I will nonetheless take Dusty at his word on that, because indeed, if we're talking an actual Russian agent, yes, I mean, they're good at that. Average guy on the street isn't going to sniff that out. But the thing is, it's Dusty also states in that article, uh, Candidate Johnson, excuse mm-hmm. me, that it was Paul Erickson who arranged for her to speak at that camp. Yep. If Paul Erickson is person number one, and Paul Erickson is in cahoots, knowing cahoots, with the Russian agent, that's a bad signal, because then someone who is known and trusted by Republicans all over this state is actually helping out the other side. And I don't mean the Democrats. I mean the real bad guys over in Putin's Kremlin. That's remarkable and should be alarming if this is all going to come to pass. It's a, it's an amazing story, and you can see all the photos that uh, Corey Heidelberger has collected at dakotafreepress.com and read all the links and the supporting materials. Uh yeah, really an amazing story, Corey, and you've been on it since the beginning. So also kudos to Seth Tupper, who also has done a lot of work on this for the Rapid City Journal. Yes, he's gotten a lot of the good documents, but more, even more about Paul Erickson and the things he's been up to. Because, again, he's been kind of a shadowy political operator, so he's not, he's not you know, out front like a candidate. Take some real research, and Seth has done good work on that. Yeah, so congratulations to him. Corey, uh, we'll be watching. Uh, thanks a lot for spending some time with us, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again next week. I look forward to it, unless the Russians get me first. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Coming up after the news and weather, we'll chat with Rob Joyce of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blue Society about Jazz Fest this weekend. Woo-hoo! It's a good sign of summer. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Daddy's little empire built by hands and built by... 4.36 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's the middle of July, and it's hot. It's not so bad. It's a beautiful day here in the the best little city in America. But if it's the middle of July, it must mean it's time for Jazz Fest. And so we've got Rob Joyce, who is the uh, executive director, executive director of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society. Yes. And this is your gig, man. This is your (laughs) your Super Bowl. Hey, you know, this is this is a Sioux Falls gig. It's a Sioux Falls community event. It really is. And uh, how many years has it been going now, and how many years have you been doing it? This is the 27th celebration of Jazz Fest, and this would be my 24th year. Wow. So of doing, you know, but it, it's, it seems like it's, you know, I've had people that I've run into who have said, you know, I grew up coming to Jazz Fest as a little kid, and now I come back to Sioux Falls to see my folks and bring the grandkids, and it's a Sioux Falls tradition, and I go, wow, that's, that's just neat that yeah. people feel that way. And, um, you know, the festival has, you know, it, it, it has ups and downs. You know, there's always hot ones and there's always cloudy ones and mm-hmm. there's maybe one that gets stopped by a storm. But, um, you know, the, the underlying theme is it's free, you know, just we roll with it. You know, we want to be back next year no matter what. And it sounds like the weather is actually going to be nice. But, uh, you know, we've had, uh, we've had some years where we've had some really incredible entertainment and then we've had other years where we needed to kind of save a little bit because of the weather. Yeah. You know, you know we get, we're, we, uh, you know, just a quick story. You know, my growing up as a little kid, all of my relatives were farmers down in Alcester and they would get together and they would talk at Thanksgiving or Christmas and they would talk about just how bad things are, you know, because of the rain or the yeah, hail, right, right. not enough sun or the temperature. And I thought, boy, what a, what a risky way to live, you know, that's <laughs> to be a farmer. And I thought, I'm never going to be like that. And right. here I am looking at the weather. Because Jazz Fest is our biggest fundraiser for the Jazz and Blues Society. And, and we should say, before we start talking too much about the big event, yeah. you guys have concerts all year round. We do. And we do educational outreach all year round you know, throughout the entire state of South Dakota. So we're, we're very active all year long. Um, but Jazz Fest is the biggest and most, most exposure that we get. It's a great event. And it's a big event. It's one of the largest events in the state. And it's also, um, you know, it's also a great cultural tourist uh, attraction for people that are around the country. And last year, it's not scientific. We actually have a map. People put push, push pins in. Yeah. But it at least gives you a, 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 an idea of 44 states and nine countries. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, but we also do a scientific, you know, kind of uh, survey where we try to determine, you know, where people are coming from. And it's it's about Roughly ten percent, twelve percent of the people that come to Jazz Fest are from not, you know, from outside a hundred miles radius. So that's interesting. Tells us that you know it's it's worth worth uh, looking at from an economic impact for the city and for the state. 
Do you, uh, at this point, you said you've been doing it 24 years. Um, <clears throat> you, the, I was telling you, I drive by there or I ride my bike by there and I notice that you know, the tents are all going in the same places. The stage <laughs> is in the same place, which, you know, you've learned by doing. Yeah. Uh, at this point, it's just, you got this in your sleep, right? You just knock <laughs> this baby out without a problem. Well, I do have nightmares from periodically about Jazz Fest, but... Um, Good. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, there are... Um, it's funny because somebody said to me uh, a few years ago, why don't you GPS this thing so you don't have to go out and actually measure where tents go? Mm-hmm. Because they're in the same place every year. And mm-hmm. I said, well, they are, but the f- the soccer fields aren't. They, they actually move the soccer fields oh, a little sure. bit to kind of keep them from, you know... I didn't think but, about so, that. That's yeah, very true. the fields move. But it's... it's um, I think it's fun to to go down there, and we've never done this, and it's silly that we don't, but we've never time lapsed down oh, there yeah. to just see you know the whole thing kind of happen over over a week because it started today, yesterday yeah. actually, yep. with people putting up tents. Um, but it's it's neat to see basically a, a park that's built for soccer, yep. big um, flat piece of land, yeah, turn into this really neat thing for music and culture and art and and um, diversity of music and that's one thing that I also like to tell people is that yeah we do call it jazz fest but it's jazz blues reggae rock you know we've had hip-hop there soul crate and others um, denim's been there other people and uh, you've got the second stage which is even maybe a little more diverse diverse, yeah more local very yeah regional this year we've got um, spearfish rapid city sioux city uh, minneapolis um you know, there's a there's a wide array of different different art, artists from around the the region, and um, you know it's it's become that stage. By the way, we have a lot more freedom to be a little more creative mm-hmm. with what we do. We we've even had um, you know big band music yeah. over on that stage, and we one once upon a time we had the municipal band. Yes, at the I remember stage. that. And that was really cool. Yeah. It's so, all music, though, right? In the end, it's just music. It's all music. You know, Louis Armstrong said, there's no such thing as good music, bad. If you like it, it's good. Yeah. So I think that's the way to look at it. He was a simple man. That's right. We're going to come right back with Rob Joyce, who is executive director of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society. And we're going to talk more about Jazz Fest, which is this weekend. So get your chairs ready and your bug spray. It's time. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Clouds will blow away. 4.45 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are chatting here with Rob Joyce. Of course, everybody knows Rob. He <laughs> is the uh, executive director of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society and the head honcho of the Jazz Fest, which is going on Friday and Saturday. You went back to two days this year. Yeah. Why is that again? Well, you know, we've got 70 people on our, our committee. I mean, Jazz Fest, to put on a jazz festival like this, um, is, it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication from volunteers. And when we were doing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we had people that were coming up to me and saying, you know, I took off three days of PTO so I, I could do this. So I'm, I'm going to be here Thursday, Friday, and I take Monday off because I got to rest up. Yeah. And after doing that for four or five years, people started to realize that it's you know, I'm giving up PTO, and I yeah. only get so much. Um, and so we started having some of our most precious volunteers on our committee saying, you know, I'm going to have to back off. And in one year alone, we lost almost 50 years of experience from three really dedicated volunteers. And after we, we thought about it, we talked about maybe going back to two days and, and concentrating our resources for Friday and Saturday and making them as good as they can be and better than um, just trying to do three days. But I will tell you, there is a thought of, at some point, um, doing something more than just the Jazz Fest, you know, Jazz Fest week, the possibility of doing some things throughout different venues throughout the city for, you know, the week of Jazz Fest. yeah, instead of everything outdoors or, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, we we are thinking of of other ways to to move the event, Um, you know, the, 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 the... of course, the feature and the, the pinnacle will be Friday, Saturday mm-hmm. at Yankton Trail, but maybe there's a way of doing something, you know, downtown, maybe yeah. doing something at a, at a venue here and a venue there and maybe kind of building up to this great outdoor event. But um, 
and sharing some of the the load of putting some of that together with maybe you know somebody like the Washington Pavilion or mm-hmm. SMG and the Orpheum Theater and there's possibilities and all of this is stuff that they'll go hey he hasn't talked to us about this <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably we're just spitballing here we people. are you know we're, th- we're throwing stuff at the side of the barn to yep. see what sticks but I think um, you know the the thing that we've realized is that people are really you know we do the crawl. Mm-hmm. Every April, we do the mm-hmm. jazz crawl, and we find um, between 10 to 15 venues that want to listen to blues or jazz that yeah, Saturday. it's a great event. And it's a lot of fun. Um, and that's sort of, you know, what we were thinking is maybe we'd do something where we combine that kind of energy where you get hundreds of people downtown to listen to blues and jazz mm-hmm. and maybe think about, you know, parceling that off on different nights and focusing, focusing, and then have Jazz Fest, you know, still continue at, at the Yankta Trail. So there's there's lots of ideas, but to answer your question in a really long way, I apologize. <laughs> it, it really was more about the, our most precious resource, which is our volunteers, and making um, Jazz Fest better because we can't do that without those volunteers. It well, three days is a lot. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it is. But you know what we could do is you know we're we're just a few years away now from thirty years, oh, and no, we're yeah. you know maybe thirty years is a, a time to go back to just doing something at three days. There's in no way are we diminishing the value of Jazz Fest in my my mind. I think that we are all we're doing is focusing, uh, continuing to focus our energy on making it a great experience. And I I can understand how people you know might feel that it's uh, you know maybe a little diminished, but it's not. It's going to be you know Thursday night was a wonderful experience and experiment for eight years. Mm-hmm. We did it, but I think um, we've been around for 27. And we're not going away. We're just no. kind of. Thinking of again, you know, there's ups and downs with all of these <laughs> kinds right. of events. So yeah. you've got let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the the acts this year. Yeah, um, Friday night the headliner uh, is Jimmy Vaughn, who's now uh, he's the fabulous Thunderbirds, the brother of uh, the late uh, Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been he's played a jazz fest how many times now? None. But he was with the fabulous Thunderbirds, right? But this was after. Jimmy left the band. Oh, yeah. Jimmy is a founder of yes. the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and he he the first few albums were were with his influence and Kim Wilson's influence, who's a lead singer. Um, when we had the Fabulous Thunderbirds, Jimmy was no longer a part of the band, and Kid Ramos was Got the it. guitar player. Jimmy, uh, and you know, J- Jimmy is is a a very um, passionate guy. And he had he wanted the music to go a direction, and, and the rest of the you know the, some of the other people influencing you know and money is a big influence mm-hmm. in the music business. Obviously, they wanted to go a more commercial route, and I think that he said, "I'm going to part ways." And um, you know he's got very strong feelings about those years and in his leaving, and I think that's um, you know as an artist myself, I can respect that. And so um, he and he also has a, a, a whole, a, you know, he, he plays some music that it, that he covers that are songs that Stevie covers as mm. well. But he has a, you know, his he, he and Stevie had actually gone into the studio and recorded um, an album together before Stevie actually, you know, was released after Stevie died. Yeah. And um, he is definitely um, aware of the fact that if he plays, you know, a couple of tunes that are Stevie's tunes, that that there's a comparison. But he's he was covering them. You know, he's the older brother. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he was playing them probably before Stevie Ray. But he is he is his own guy. He is still a legend, and um, he's one of those people that Eric Clapton calls, like Robert Cray. And, um, you know, and um, Joe Walsh and says, hey, the best guitar players in the world come to my Crossroads Festival and Jim, Jimmy is always there. And uh, he's a Texan. So, you know, he's got that that everything in Texas is better and bigger. So. Yeah. Well, and I I am one of the <clears throat> what are now probably what 100,000 people who claim to have seen Stevie Ray Vaughan when he was here yeah. at the arena, which is in the 90s. <laughs> and that was amazing. Um, but Jimmy's not. Stevie, it's not the same yeah. music, but it's yeah. it's got some of that same Texas bluesy. It's not the Delta blues; it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's got that Texas bounce to it a little bit, you know. And I, I you know, Texas blues. If you if you listen to some of Jimmy's stuff, it's got a. I mean, there's almost a, a, a little element of some country in the mm-hmm. in the way that that twang and that that guitar comes out, but it's also in the percussion and the way the drummer drums. And it's it's really fun stuff, and you can tell that uh, that he's been influenced by a lot of a lot of people from from earlier generations. 
and I think um, I think you can hear some of Stevie's influence in his playing and vice versa. But Jimmy is really amazing. Yeah, and then Saturday night is Taj Mahal, which Taj Mahal a lot of people know. Taj Mahal. Now Taj was at Jazz Fest um, back in two thousand and five or six. That was a long time ago. Yeah, and but you know here's here's what I thought uh, about booking these acts is that um, we lost Tom Petty and we've lost Prince and we've lost um, you know other artists that that we didn't expect to lose. David Bowie. David Bowie. And so, you know, there are some artists that I, I always wanted to bring, and I just I missed the boat mm-hmm. for one reason or another. And I thought I've always wanted to, and I've always talked to Jimmy's agent every year. I would mm-hmm. talk to Jimmy's agent, and I and he would say, "Well, here's how much it takes to get Jimmy off the porch." <laughs> That's what he do. How, how much does it take to get Jimmy off the porch? I would it's say, a lot. <laughs> and he, you know, this is how much it's going to take to get Jimmy off the porch. That's funny. And. Um, he happened to be the same agent for Taj Mahal. So it was easy for me to say, you know, Friday, Saturday, let's do this and work it together. And um, it, it, everything kind of fell right into place. And I would, I'm very lucky to say that um, we've, got good, we've got a good reputation at yeah. Jazz Fest and in Sioux Falls for You're putting paying on the a bill. good show. Yeah, You're, we're paying the bill. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Rob Joyce, he is executive director of the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society and the head honcho behind the Jazz Fest. Uh, and you can find out more, uh, get the whole lineup at, uh, the, ja- at the Jazz Fest, uh, Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society yeah. uh, webpage. We've got SiouxFallsJazzFest.com, but we also have a smartphone app that you, you, can, go. you can go to your, your app store, and SFJB Jazz Fest will bring it right to you, and all kinds of fun stuff on that. Awesome. Rob, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Patrick. We'll be right back to finish up the show and let you know what's going on tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Pat Powers of Dakota War College will be here talking politics from the GOP side of the aisle. And multimedia star and pop culture critic Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. You're going to want to tune in for all of that, all the updates and more. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.